what's going on good people my name is christian and you are now tuning in to what college didn't teach me the podcast that shares life lessons from outside the classroom and today i have a childhood friend of mine we've known each other since we were in elementary school and it's a pleasure for me to bring her on today to share some knowledge with you everybody please welcome gabby rogers hey hey thanks for having me Thank you very much for being here, Gabby. I'm so glad that you're here to speak with me today. So Gabby is the founder of Abundant Living Financial Wellness Services. She is a financial coach. And I know, Gabby, you also do a couple other things. What what, what else do you do? I also am like a community leader, so I do a lot for my community here in Raleigh. I'm a mentor, so I mentor college students on and off, singer, musician, chairwoman of a prestigious life and leadership development network and i'm also a speaker so that's just a few things to add to the list yeah that's yeah that's uh, that's, that's more than a couple excuse me excuse <laughs> me nah but but that that's awesome that's awesome so yeah so you're very skilled very well-rounded in in all that you do and you know moving towards progressing in a lot of areas in your life and i think an area in life that i think a lot of people shy away from discussing about in terms of progression is you know financial literacy and becoming financially well and whole and i think that's something that is really important to discuss especially now that there's so many more accessible resources for people to get insight from and to get knowledge about finances and i know for me you know understanding what money was and how many worked it wasn't easily understandable for me growing up but i think now there's a lot more people a lot more interest a lot more access to it but for you what what was it like for you growing up understanding money and just your relationship with money? Yeah, for me growing up, and when I think about my relationship with money, it does have a lot to do with your story and the household and lessons and beliefs that were passed down to us. So for me, I have, I would say a unique story where at first, so like for the first half of my life growing up, um, we were pretty well off as a middle-class family and had a pretty big house, all of our needs met, a lot of our wants met, traveling often and and having experiences as a family and all of that. And so it really took a turn when my biological father passed because he was the breadwinner and really the only income earner. And then at that point, it was, we still had most, if not all of our needs met, but we really had to cut down. We had more conversations about like bills and debt and whatnot. So I would say that what was instilled about me was like responsibility. So it didn't switch to lack, but it switched to like understanding responsibility and what it means to have money to be financially stable, right? As well as like sacrifice. So my mom sacrificed a lot to make things work and make money stretch. And I think she really instilled the fact that like you can have um, what you want, if not most of it, if you take care of yourself and take care of your responsibilities, but also sacrifice things for, you know, immediate gratification for the things that really matter. So I would say those are really important lessons and beliefs that I carried growing up. But also another one, you know, I've been a passion child my entire life. And so giving was another really important lesson and something that really shaped my relationship with money. It's like, no matter how much you have, you always have room to give, to give to people and give back to God. So yeah, those are the main things that shape my story and speak to my relationship with money growing up. 
Wow. Yeah, that, that that's amazing. I think for me, I think money was very, I don't know. I, I never really thought too much about money until I got into high school when my dad, so my dad, he had an injury and he was out of work for a year. And at that time he was working at two different hospitals and he was about three or four years away from retiring. But that injury, him um, being out for a year and him being the, the breadwinner in my household, things changed because there were just things that I, I guess my parents never really had too much concerns about money. I know, you know, we were middle class family. Uh, I went to private school for middle school and a good portion of high school. I know by the time I was a uh, junior year in high school, like I had to, you know, leave my school because my parents, you know, they just couldn't afford it. And um, I know throughout the years I was in high school, I, I, I knew there was some, you know, there was some issues financially that my parents were working through and trying to take care of. And they, they let me in a little bit on what was going on. But, you know, now I'm a little bit older. They They shared more. And I was like, wow, things really like took a 180 spin after, you know, that whole yeah. injury. And so just understanding that, like, okay, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, because I was really just like, okay, we're, you know, we live in nice. We live in real nice. We we doing good. But, you know, then something crazy can happen in your life and money can go like money can go just like that or where you get your money from can can go just like that. So, yeah, no, I I feel you on that. But no, I, I think from seeing that, that helped me understand the value of what it means to actually take care of your money. Because I don't know, whenever like I was gifted money for anything, I always wanted to spend it. I always wanted to use it to to get a game or to buy some clothes or just do something along those lines. But yeah, after just seeing the fact like, oh, okay, this is something that I need to I need to be more careful with made me think a little bit more about what I was doing with it. But, you know, as you've grown and as you've, you know, been able to receive money, I know you're now working as an engineer as well as you are running your own nonprofit. What has the development of what money looks like to you been? What 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 does money look like to you now? And what does it mean to you? Yes. So like you're saying, I'm working full time. I'm actually a business analyst slash project manager. So not completely an engineer. That is what my degree is in, but I'm definitely in the tech field as a project manager. And I would say that now money to me is more so a resource for opportunity and freedom of choice. And I'll definitely explain that. So I think a lot of people have like anxieties around money or or make money the source, like the thing that directs their mind and their life. But really, it's a resource to create the life that we envision for ourselves. So for me, I like to frame my thoughts around money as that. It's like, okay, what can I do with what I have now to like create the opportunities I want or to meet the opportunities that come to me? And that could look like buying a house. That could look like buying a car. That could look like getting an investment property, starting your business, right? You need resources to do all those things. And money is a resource. And then with freedom of choice, if you set your life up in a way where 
you have control over your money, you have control over your income and control over your expenses, you really have the freedom of choice to do with your money what you want instead of it kind of leading you to do things that you might not want to because you have to. So that's what I think of now. Once you have systems in place, once you have a plan and really set things to work for you, you have a lot more freedom of choice. So that's what it means to me now. And I don't I don't make it like an idol or anything. But I definitely want to leverage it for the life that I envision. Does that make sense? Completely. Yeah, no, completely. And I think, yeah, I, I definitely grown just like you have in terms of how I view money. I definitely view money more as a tool and as something that I can use to help me be able to become free in terms of freedom of time, freedom of location, freedom right. of someone telling me what to do. And yeah, and also just looking at money, I, I think growing up, I used to look at money as the thing that was valuable. But in reality, money is something that exchanges for value. And so understanding to look at, you know, what what can money afford? Like what what can money, you know, do for you? And being able to like something I do now, I, I'm pretty big on investing and trading. And right. so understanding that that money is something that I can use to invest to to get a return for something of greater value and, you know, just utilizing it as a as a means of uh, doing that and, and just just not being afraid of it either. I think I think that growing up, you hear, you know, you have to to work, you know, a typical mm-hmm. like nine to five. And that's the only way you can make money. But you know, real estate investing, um, stocks, just, just so many different ways that you can acquire money. And it's it's not just limited to, you know, having to exchange your time for it. There's all many ways that, you know, you can make money nowadays. And I think th- through social media, it's getting exposed that going in to work is not the only way of getting money now. So yeah, that's something that I just find super beautiful and mm-hmm. super great nowadays. Yeah, and some, to the point of something you said, I think you mentioned that like at some point growing up, you were kind of fearful or afraid, right? And that's actually one of the most common feelings around money that people express. It's like fear, anger, and shame. And so if you lead your life, period, but especially your financial life through fear, anger, and shame, then then it will limit how you see money and li- limit how you value your money, how you value life, and what kind of life you want to create for yourself. But if you flip those around and replace them with like hope, right? Hope for opportunity, hope for freedom of choice. If you replace it with like peace, peace of mind and all that, then that's what really opens up all of what you just said. It's like, what opens up your mind to learning new ways to handle your money, learning new ways to make money and being open to unlearning what we did grow up learning um, with our parents or through our experiences. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's funny. I had a friend that I was talking to about a week and a half ago and she was telling me that she had, I don't know how much she had. She had a certain amount of money in the bank for the past year and She's heard about everything going on in the stock market. Now, stock market last year went crazy. It's not what it typically does. But regardless, you know, stock market stocks typically go up over time. And she was looking at, you know, how things went. And she was thinking to herself, I had all this money in the bank and it barely moved. I made like, Correct. you know, a couple dollars. Correct. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. 
yeah, you got to make your money work for you. But I think, you know, some people, ignorance uh, in terms of what you can do with your money, as well as people just thinking, I, I, I like I like having my money close to me. So I'll I'll never lose it if I keep it to myself. And it's like, eh, I mean, inflation well, is the thing. So <laughs> I was say they actually are losing it because I was about right. to say inflation is at least two to three percent per year. So if the bank is not giving you two to three percent at least, then you are losing it even with your eyes being on it. Exactly. And so, yeah, just, just, just being able to understand how, how the money system works and, and how you can make it work for you. Yeah, that's, that's just you know paramount. But not a lot of people know these things. And mm-hmm. I think financial literacy is something that, I, I think I heard a statistic somewhere of about 50% of Americans are not financially literate. And hearing that just really blew my mind. And it's not surprising but it's also just why isn't this something that's taught? Why isn't this something that is more commonly discussed? Like why why don't more people know about this? But but what what do you think about financial literacy and its importance? I know you you know you're the founder of a of a company that helps teach people about financial wellness. So I know you probably have a good insight of the value of it. But but what do you think about how important it is for people to be financially literate? Well, you know, obviously, I think it's very important. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'll talk about why it's important. You know, I also have a podcast. The premise of the podcast was the fact that money impacts or is impacted by every area of life. And I personally have yet to find an area of life that's not impacted by money. So financial literacy is important because it's interconnected to every aspect of life. It's interconnected to your career, the work that you do. It's interconnected to your lifestyle, to your relationships. A lot of relationships either are, you know, have a strong foundation or a weak foundation and end up in despair because of financial decisions or the unalignment between financial values or core values that are expressed financially, right? It's actually the first leading cause of life divorce is finances. So Financial literacy is really important because in order to really adequately have like a full life and, you know, the title of my nonprofit is Abundant Living. So to have not just a full life, but an abundant life, one that we are living out every day, then you must know how to handle your money. You must know and keep track of what's coming in versus what's going out. You have to think about what you want your future to look like and what it takes financially to get there because it doesn't just happen by osmosis. You must understand like what it means to cultivate the relationships between you and your friends and your family without money being a deterrent from that, right? Whether that's being able to go out if that's important to you, but in a reasonable manner, whether that means, you know, scaling back on how much you give to people, because a lot of people, you know, give to friends and family without a thought. And so that can tamper relationships depending on how you gauge it. So it's, it's really important, right? It has everything to do with every aspect of life. And once again, not to idolize it, but to understand it's the tool and the resource to create the life that we want. Yeah. Now nah, you preaching. <laughs> and Am I? Look, I'll go. I'll yeah. go in today. Hey, hey, that's hey, that's what that's what, you know, I brought you here for. You know, I'm glad for it. But yeah, nah, you're you're, you're spitting straight facts. And I think the thing, too, is for some reason, I think people have this notion that money is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Money is not a bad thing. <laughs> like, and, and I think that's a reason that people may think, OK, like I don't need to get more money or I don't need to have more than I have because I'm good where I'm at. And, you know, it's it's good with being content, but 
I don't know if the phrase is, you know, be content, but don't be complacent. But basically, you know, it, it's good mm-hmm. being content. But if there are ways that you can increase your financial means, then, you know, by all means, don't be complacent about it. I think that mm-hmm. that's something that, you know, is very good. And, you know, also thinking from a perspective of your future and that that's a, that's a huge thing. So, you know, you want to be able to provide something to your children. You want to be able to provide something to your your grandchildren. You want to be able to have an inheritance. You know, I don't want to have children and then one day think to myself, you know, they're going to be my cash cow. That's just not the way to do it. And I think being able to understand how money works and understand how I can make it work for myself, make it work for my family, make it work for my friends, that's just super important because like you said, money affects everything. I can only imagine how certain relationships would be different if money wasn't an issue. Like you it's, know. it puts a huge strains on on families, a huge strains mm-hmm. on marriages, a huge strain on a lot of people. And just to just to think if people didn't have to worry about if they could afford their next meal or if people didn't have to worry about if they could pay their bills, like it, it would just make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I want to speak to uh, the people out there that think money is a bad thing, because I think you brought up a great point. And one of the things that come to mind is like, you know, there's a scripture that says the love of money is the root of all evil. And that's been twisted. So for, you know, our Christians out there, our church folks out there, it's really speaking to not idolizing money as God or as a God. So that's where the love of money comes in. But like, I think that's been twisted for people to think it's money is the root of all evil. So I think that's definitely one of the foundational things that if you're taught, you can think that, you know, striving for more income or striving for a certain lifestyle will be a bad thing, or it it can make you seem greedy. It can make you seem overindulgent, but, but really that's not the case. And another Another thing that is a phrase that just gets thrown around is like money doesn't buy happiness. And, you know, you've been in one of my workshops where I kind of speak to that in the opening and I ask people, like, do they think money can buy happiness or or does it buy happiness? And the reality is that it can. Right. Not once again, not that you you should idolize it, not that it should become your master, not that money should have you, but you should have it. It's like it really does increase the potential of you being satisfied with your life, of your relationships being better, of your health being better. It's just a matter of fact. If if people could, specifically in America, if if we just had cash on hand when we got sick and wouldn't have to worry about uh, health care, then people would go to the doctor more often. People would take care of themselves more often and be able to handle extreme events like you shared so vulnerably in the beginning with your father, right? So the fact is that it has that power to increase the satisfaction of our lives. And um, that's not just like a philosophy. That's not just like a colloquialism. There's been studies on it, especially like at Princeton. And uh, it found that as the income of subjects increase, so as the income of the people they tested increased, their outlook on life improved. And so this is the reality of things, right? For for anyone that thinks that money is bad, just think about how much better it might feel if you didn't have to consider if you have to pay bill A or pay bill B, right? If you didn't have to consider all the debt that you have to pay off, right? If anytime you wanted to do something, you just had money or anytime you wanted to gift to an organization or, or if you go to church, give more to your church. If you wanted to, you know, the certain life that you might want to provide for your children, if you didn't have to think twice about those things and it made your children happy and therefore made you and your spouse happy, like 
that's all tied to money. So it's not a bad thing to strive for more money. It's not a bad thing to strive for more income and a better lifestyle because we, we really are called to once again live abundantly, not just do things from day to day because we're told to do them. We're called to really take advantage of the world that's in front of us. We're called to live the highest level of a life that we can. And a resource to do that is through money, right? So I'm really passionate about that because... There's a lot of misnomers, and that's what keeps people in fear. That's what keeps people in financial anxiety. That's what keeps people from learning and wanting to access more information. It's thinking that it's bad, but it's it's where your heart and your mind is that would need to shift, and that shows if you're bad, right? The money is just a byproduct. Mm. Yep. Yep. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I don't see. It's just like you do this. All right, day. All right, day. You do this, so I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to, what to say about that. Yeah, no, that that's amazing. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't rebuttal that. You, you, you said everything that needs to be said. But yeah, just, just continuing in terms of the, you know, value of the financial literacy. I think that what you're doing with your nonprofit is is great, just because, you know, I remember we did a consultation about two years ago. And was it two years? It it was it was about two years ago. It was a minute. It's it's been a minute. But when we did our consultation, you made me realize that I was I was spending more money than I had coming in, and I was like, oh, that ain't good, because <laughs> I was I just using my credit cards, not really calculating to see, okay, can I actually afford this? I was just like, you know, I got it on credit, but there's good things that you can use to get credit, and then there's not so good things that you can use uh, credit for. So yeah, using my credit card to just buy stuff at random like that, that, that wasn't really helpful. But yeah, I'm curious. So you started your nonprofit. Um, what, what, what sparked that, that interest to start your nonprofit? So there wasn't just one thing that sparked it. It was definitely like a series of light bulb moments and all that, but to narrow it down, we spoke to it earlier, realizing that there is a huge lack of education. There's a huge gap between what people know and what people should know about managing their money, right? And I noticed that when I actually became financially independent at the age of 19. So that's pretty early for most people. And so I was in college, you know, paying my own bills, um, going grocery shopping on my own, you know, not asking my parents for anything, got my own car, all of that. And, and I was making a good level, a really good level of income actually for a college student. So I was able to see the difference between the kind of decisions I was making and the kind of decisions other traditional college students were making. And that didn't just make sense. I'm like, okay, how are you complaining about not being able to eat during the semester and then taking this week-long spring break vacation that wasn't making sense to me right how are you complaining about like your rent being doing you don't have the money and you have all the shoes in the world right so and once I started having more conversations and fast forward I was helping family and friends here and there one because I really like math so it's really enjoyable actually for me to like figure things out that way but also I was exploring like the insurance industry. And so I was learning about like a lot more about insurance and financial literacy and, and helping families in that regard. And a lot of what we did was less about like insurance and a lot more about teaching financial concepts that should have been 
taught in school, should have been taught in the household that, you know, there was either um, not educated or they were miseducated, um, reversing values or unlearning values that are rooted in fear from the household. So the lack of education, the lack of understanding, like what credit is, what debt is, what it takes to prepare for a house, what it takes to prepare for a business, all of that is not readily available as we grow up. So I wanted to fill that gap of education and really inform the uninformed and re-educate the misinformed, if that makes sense. And then on top of that, as I was, like I said, helping people in my own life and helping families through the insurance business I was doing, I realized that, you know, even if the numbers made sense, even if they had a positive cash flow at the end of the month and had all the savings in the world and had enough to like, you know, elevate what they were doing. So whether it looked like investing or, or, uh, buying certain types of insurances and all that which was at the time even if they had the money to do it and the numbers made sense if their mindset was not right once again if they were fearful about doing something different then it didn't matter how much they knew because something was getting in the way so I really wanted to have a uh, a method or approach that addressed the whole person and you know I'm rooted spiritually so part of my spiritual calling is healing and there's a lot of healing that has to be done for people to elevate their financial lives because like we talked about earlier uh, a lot of what how we deal with our money has to do with who we are and what our story is and what major events happen and our level of self-worth and self-value and self-care and all that and so I have a holistic personal finance approach in order to address the whole person, in order to help you transform yourself and have the byproduct be transforming your finances. So that's why I started it. I found it as an avenue to educate people and give them access to information that they should have had access to, especially Black folks. There's information that's been kept from us historically. A lot of who I work with and a lot of my audience is Black. And so it's a part of serving my people, serving my community in that way. And then helping people heal, helping people transform and become them their whole selves and have the byproduct be their finances looking how they want them to. Hmm. See, oh, I, got, I got. I mean, I've been getting superstars on this podcast. This is crazy. Superstar, man. Thank man. you. Appreciate you. Man, PG County produces a lot of greatness. Wow. Period. Tell them <laughs> they try to play us. No. Yeah. Don't disrespect PG. Nah, that's mm, that's fantastic. No, and I'm I'm glad that you are providing such a needed service to people who have not had the opportunity to receive that information especially receiving it from someone that looks just like them and so mm-hmm. definitely making it you know a lot more relatable uh feeling like it's a lot more achievable making it so relevant i, I think that yeah it's just a, it's just a beautiful thing so nah shout out to you that's 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 great wow thanks that is great. Of course, of course. But I know you've had, you know, you do a lot of, you know, consultations and then discussions with people after the consultations to help them understand, you know, where you can go moving forward. And for you, like, what what have you seen be the the most common mistake that people make when it comes to their own personal finances? Yeah, the most common mistake, I mean most people aren't doing anything about their finances. Mm, <laughs> so Yeah, you ain't even doing nothing. Yeah, the most common mistake is um like no planning. 
there there's people there's a lot of people I work with who have never done a budget. So there's a lot of people I work with who have never looked at their bank statements. Well, maybe not a lot, but there are there's a section of people who never looked at their bank statements. So never at some point have they assessed where they are today, have evaluated how much I spend in here, there, and which way. So a lot of people out here just winging it, just living life, you know. And, and so you, you brought up our session a couple years ago, and, you know, you make pretty good money, especially for people our age. And you admitted that you were overspending still. So you can have a certain level of income, and if you're not paying attention, still drive yourself into, you know, whether it's debt or just or just not be meeting the goals that you thought you would set for yourself because you're not taking a look at it. So that's the biggest mistake is, like, no planning at all. And so, once again, that leads to overspending, overspending certain categories that you might not notice. So, like, when I really break down somebody's items that they're spending on, I really get to the detail level. And so eating out. I might, I'll ask, you know, how much they spend and eat it out. And they might think it's like a certain amount. So let's say somebody just thinks it's like $100 a month. I'm like, okay, well, let's be objective and fact-based and take a look at your bank statement. And I don't look at it. I let them look at it and read out the numbers to me. And as they're reading out numbers one by one for the last like 30 days, they're like, oh, I, sp- I went where? I spent how much? And then we look at the total and it's uh, about like $400 and they thought it was $100. I'm like, mm. There's a difference. Something is not aligned here. Them brunches so, be crazy. Them brunches be crazy. And that's the whole thing now. So, yeah, a lot of people are just not planning. And then, once again, if you don't take a look at it, at some point, you realize that you're spending money in ways that don't align with what you say your priorities or your values are. Right? So, maybe someone's priority is saving. And they know it's important to save and they want to save. And in their mind, they have a goal to save. They might not even have an amount. They might not have a date set. And therefore, they don't know how much they would have to save per month to get to that date, right? But by the time maybe three months or six months pass, they look at their account and realize that there's not nearly enough money saved. And they're like, what happened? Well, instead of saving, like you said, was your priority, you actually traveled three times this year when you probably could have cut that back and saved at least one of those trips toward what you consider savings. And that's just like a really simple example. But a lot of people are just winging it out here and not doing anything, not taking a look at, like I said earlier, what's coming in and what's going out, where it's going out to. And it doesn't align with who I say I am and what I say my priorities are. Do I have goals in mind? The whole no planning thing. A lot of people, you know, have eventually a goal of buying a house. Well, even if that's far in the future, when do you want to buy your house? Where do you want to buy it? How much would it take to have a down payment, right? Where's your credit? And where are you today versus where you want to be? And, you know, at, at work, we call this a gap assessment. And the gap is like, what does it take to get there? So a lot of people just not doing nothing. And, it, <laughs> and it's not until you put your eyes on things that you really can make a clear plan, make a clear budget, make a system that sets things up in a way where you're able to, you know, bring these goals and dreams into fruition. Yeah, you... Man, should have just called this a church service. You preaching crazy right now, but hey, look, it's on me. It's on me. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I, I think that's completely true. And you know, when we had our consultation, like for me, I really didn't know. I just knew when I wanted to spend the money, I had the money, or I had the credit available in my credit card. So I was like, yeah, let's just, let's just, let's just, you know, just throw the card at it. And um, yeah, that's no, not sir. that's no, not sir. good practices. <laughs> 
no sir <laughs> that is that is terrible so yeah no I, I learned my lesson after we had our consultation and um I think now I have a more clear idea of where I'm heading financially and where I want to go that I, you know, I I never was on before because, you know, like I said, like I, I also think, too, when whenever people got money, they were pretty used to just like spending it quickly. So they never really thought about like the future future. But for me now, I'm thinking, OK, like what does financial freedom look like? How much money? Oh, well, yeah. I want in order to attain that freedom. Because I was asking a friend of mine the other week. I was like, yo, how long do you plan to, like, do your job? And he said, uh, maybe till, like, you know, like, 50, 55. And I said, okay, do you, do you really like your job? And he's like, I'm not really. And then I was asking, okay, you know, well, well is there anything else that you want to do or know what you want to do? And he's like, no. And I'm just thinking, like, <laughs> like, okay, if you don't like what you're doing, why aren't you making a plan to like to reroute and get to where you want? And it's like, he doesn't even have a plan for where he wants to go. And so I think a lot of people, they, and you know, get into the psychology of decision making. A lot of people operate on their feelings um, oh, if yeah. they don't have a clear, concise direction that they want to move towards. And I know I really like what we do with the pledge. You know, every morning we have the gratitude calls and we come yes, up. Sir with a you know somewhere grateful for and a goal and it actually made me realize like outside of work i don't really be having too many goals after that christian and so (laughs) i know i know right but it's just like oh i didn't i didn't think about what exactly all the things i'm gonna do today so outside of like going to work and so I'm just like, okay, like, we got to we gotta get on it. Like, we got to, like, every day. Like, we got to be intentional every day. Um, every day. Intentional. That's a good word. I want to speak to that example you gave, actually, because even for people like that who, you know, are at a job and whether, whether they like it or not, they don't see themselves leaving for a while. Even for that person, like, you have to plan for retirement. So if you see yourself leaving at 55, how much money would you need to retire at 55? What do you need to be saving per year, per month to have an adequate retirement fund by that age? Because, you know, there are a lot of people that get to the age they thought they would retire and they might not have ever assessed or or maybe they assess enough to understand if that's if they were on the right track and have to start working again because they deplete all their all their resources. So even if it's not about pivoting what you do, there's a plan that needs to be in place for everything. Right. So want to speak to that example yeah no exactly and i think some people they're just like yo that 401k gonna take care of me in 30 years do you even know what's in your 401k do you even know no right like i had to look at my 401k you know i looked at my 401k about a year ago to really understand you know and they told me at orientation you know like you actually have to choose your investments and i was like cool then i was looking and i remembered i looked at it again last year because i was you know changing my little portfolio and i was like what the heck are even in these index funds you know and 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 for me i was like okay i i gotta i gotta learn i gotta learn more about this and yeah i think like you were saying before people can get really lackadaisical with money just because they lack the understanding of how it works and the vehicles that they may try to be using or what people tell them just because you have 
Exactly. It's like, yo, get that 401k, get that Roth IRA. Like, do you know the benefits of it? Do you know like the difference of a investment account being tax deferred versus non-tax deferred? Like, do you know what you're, what you're getting out of it? And if not, then, you know, you need to talk to Gabby. <laughs> so come on here, call me. Yeah. Yeah. Call Gabby, call on Gabby. Um, <laughs> but yeah, nah, it's, it's a crazy thing, but I think, you know, you and, and a lot of other people who have a really good understanding of money are, are helping people, especially, you know, in the black community become better with our, with our finances. So no, can I that's, give, yeah, can go I ahead. give the second most common mistake? Yes, please. That I see, you know, I talked about saving, but I think the second most common mistake is like people not having an emergency fund. Ooh. And I will preach this over and over again till I'm blue in the face. I think, you know, 2012, 2020 especially has proven to all of us, or it should have proven to all of us, what it looks like for life to just hit in unexpected ways. And if you're not prepared, and if you don't have a strong foundation, how, you know, it'll just, um, it'll just knock you off your feet and really take take you off track and, and make you have to um, to to pivot in, in ways that can seem scary. So people need emergency funds and um, and the best way to go about it is like striving for three to six months of expenses. That's like a fully funded account. But if you just start off by like saving um, and working towards getting a thousand dollars in your account, there's a lot of people that could not even pay for a thousand dollar expense. I think it's like six out of 10 people wouldn't be able to cover a thousand dollar expense if an emergency came. And, you know, I personally have had over a thousand dollars worth of emergency expenses. And gratefully, since I planned for things like that, I was able to pay for it outright and not have to worry about like dipping into my credit and going into debt or, you know, not even being able to address the situation. So if you get up to a thousand, that's a really great start. And then just keep keep pushing for making sure that, you know, if anything happens with your income, you at least have three months where you can still fund your household and not not worry about survival but worry about moving on to the next thing so i think people have a mindset where um, we don't even think about emergencies until they happen because it's like well if it may or may not happen but if when we see all this money in our account is being saved we automatically start spending it like you said the psychology of it all it's like the more money you see the more money you're mentally spending but really it's not a matter of if life happens but when life happens will you be ready um, and a lot of people aren't ready you know it really it really would take knock them off their feet and compromise compromise their uh, situation to survive quite frankly so I think that's the second mistake is we have we either aren't doing anything and then if we are doing something we're not like prioritizing preparing for emergencies which will set us back so that's the second thing yeah nah that's fire and unfortunately i do think a lot of people just because you know depending on where you come from and depending on the resources you've been able to have provided to you you know you may operate from a place where it's like yo i'm used to just being at a deficit so like mm-hmm. I'm used to operating out of that out of that way. And so when something like kind of like bad starts to happen, I'll wait until it becomes really bad. And I think a lot of people can have the mindset of an issue isn't an issue until it's an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I know for me, I I think it was the summer after freshman year of college, I injured my shoulder and I was like, ah, this isn't that bad. And progressively over a year, 
it got worse. And then it took a whole year to go by until I went to get physical therapy. And for me, I just had the mindset, you know, an issue was an issue until it's an issue. And now, like, I'm actually trying to, to solve problems that I have in my life. And I think taking that proactive approach and taking ownership of your own life is something that I've grown in. But it can be a hard thing if you're used to just dealing with things and not really trying to get solutions. But no, nah, that's yeah, that, that, that is fire. But yeah, you just gave a lot of really great insight about, you know, common mistakes that people can make and, you know, what they can do about resolving those issues and how they can become better in terms of, you know, planning what they need to do with their money and preparing for the future, not if it happens, but when it happens and when something potentially bad can happen. But, um, you know, out of out of all those things and all the other things that you know and understand about money, what is the first step you would recommend to somebody that, you know, they're just like out of control with their money? They don't have a budget. They don't have emergency fund. They don't have a plan of like any action with their money. Like what would be the first thing that you would recommend to someone like that? Yeah, I mean, you kind of just alluded to it is start creating a budget, right? And I'll break that down because I think the concept of a budget for some people can be intimidating either because they just don't want to take a look at what's going on or they don't think they know enough or they don't think they can really adequately plan for themselves. But that's really the first step. All it is is putting your eyes on once again, income, what's coming in, expenses, what's going out and looking at by the end of a month. So your budget should be on a cadence. And, and usually uh, what I recommend is, is for a month long cadence, because that's like where most bills are are, are taken out or um, we can really assess like habits that we have, behaviors that we have for spending in a month. So just take a look at your budget list, how much you're making, and then list out every single thing that goes out on a monthly basis. So that's your fixed expenses, which don't change in amount. That's like your rent, your mortgage, your insurance, your car note. Um, any subscriptions you have, remember to keep subscriptions in mind because those are really what takes away from the money we have available from our cash flow. So list out literally every single thing. Also variable expenses. I notice that people don't, if they haven't budget before, and even for people that do budget, some people don't consider variable expenses, but that's also really important because it's not just bills to account for. It's every single thing that you typically will spend money on throughout the month. So that includes utilities, that includes eating out, that includes ordering in, that includes groceries, whether that's food or household items, travel, self-care, you know, hair, haircuts, nails, massages, any possible thing that you spend money on throughout the month, take a look at it. And a good way to keep it objective is to list it out in categories from your bank statement. So your bank statement has like those line items every time you swipe, right? But if you have like certain categories that you spend on, just take whatever those amounts are, put them in the categories in your budget. And after you've listed all the expenses, you then want to just a little bit of math where add up the total and you subtract income minus expenses and that's what gives you what we call cash flow and so if that number is negative that means that your expenses are way more than your income and you're living above your means so something would definitely need to change and so now that you've had that in front of you you can see okay I'm being a little excessive here I could sacrifice here I could be more disciplined here and that number will look different right if it levels out or it's like a few dollars off between your income and expenses you're right at your means which is still not good because there's no margin for saving and then if it's a positive number that means you're living under your means and so that is good and there still probably is room for improvement so that's the very first step I would say is getting your eyes on 
exactly what's the current state of what's going on, uh, the current state of what I have coming in, what I have going out, uh, being specific with it, being fact-based with it. And people can do that by using, I like Excel. I'm a super techie person, so I, I like Excel. But there's also a lot of apps. So like Every Dollar is a great budgeting app. I think that's Dave Ramsey's app. Um, mm-hmm. But you can like research certain budget apps that like will take you through, okay, how much do you make? How much do you spend here, 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 here? And they have categories in there already that are set. And you can add your own categories. And by the end, it'll do the calculations for you. And I think that it kind of keeps track. Of, you connect your banks and it keeps track of what you spend against those categories that you budgeted for. And some of them even have like notifications for if you're going over, if you're about to go over. So that's the very first step. And if you're, if you're not, you know, one that's manual, use an app. But the point is like there's there's plenty of resources out there. But you just have to know what's going on. Yeah, getting that money together and actually understanding where you're distributing and something I always think of is like you have to take inventory first of of any yes. situation before you want to like create a plan and so like you you got to understand you know where is your money going where is your money going how much are you getting from there you'll be able to really understand okay this is the excess money I have or areas of opportunity where I can cut back so I can have more yeah. money coming to myself because, you know, like, let's say if, if you have a plan of like, oh, I want to retire at a certain age or like, oh, I want to invest in investment property, then you got to be able to have money to get there. And so having those, you know, goals and plans, like you said before, can help give purpose to the budget. Because to be honest with you, I remember we went over the budget mm-hmm. and I wasn't budgeting after that. <laughs> I wasn't budgeting <laughs> until... I started having like, I had this goal for financial freedom that I want to achieve. And so once I had that start inspiring me, I was like, okay, I need to see where my money is going so I can put as much as that towards my financial freedom goal. And so, yeah, definitely come up with with, with a goal attached to it so you can have some some purpose for budgeting. Because to be honest, you know, if, if you just budget for the sake of budgeting, unless that's something that you love doing just because it's become a habit, you know, that's great. But initially to give you some motivation, like have a goal for, you know, your money, have a goal for where you want to go or, and what you want to do with your money. But no, that's, that's great. Yeah, And I I would say that's the second step, because that's usually what I do with my clients that I coach is I have like a goal setting table and, and we sit down and we talk about, okay, what is the vision you have for your life? And that could be short term. So like three months or six months from now, or this, or this could be long term. 20 years from now right and so when you think about your goals you hit it right on the head like it brings purpose to your dollars and that's one of the mantras that I have is I save with the purpose every dollar has a destination no dollar is idle like all those things and you know when when you know that even a year from now you want your situation to look different it's easier to not you know go to Starbucks every day if that's your thing it's easier to you know not go to the mall and and go shopping or buy buy new shoes in excess um you know it's it's easier to not do those things on the day-to-day basis because now you're now you are a visionary now you're long-term minded and even legacy minded right so uh, that's definitely the second step and for some people it's the first step because if you really need to assess uh your question was about taking control and to, to even do anything you should know where you're at but for some people it's, it's the other way around where they have to know where they're going and it's like beginning with the end of mind mm-hmm. and so 
yeah, every every dollar should have a purpose. Nothing should be happening with our money that we don't assign purpose to. And if if we think of it like that, you know, um, it it would help us to, like I said, go about the day to day and not feel not feel intimidated by a budget, not feel discouraged when we can't spend money on things that we feel like we want to spend on or feel like it makes us happy in the moment. But because we know we're like putting, you know, we're planting seeds for an end goal, it's all the more worth it. And we find even greater satisfaction and gratification when we're able to accomplish this big goal after sacrificing for the short term. We find it easier that way too. So I definitely agree. Put purpose to your dollars and be intentional with everything. Don't don't let things happen with your money that do not align with what you say you want for your life. Man, Gabby, you talking spicy right now. That's crazy. That's spicy. You talking spicy with the money. I love it. Oh my gosh. No, I, I love I really love what you said about like there's no dollar that doesn't have like a purpose to it. You know, I like Yes, sir. That's, yes, sir. It's, it's so crucial. So crucial and important. So crucial and important. Oh man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I see where we're going. <laughs> I was say you you see where I took it today. You see where I'm at. Yes. No. I I see where you at. No. You 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 flying high right now. <laughs> but oh man, that's great. Now, <laughs> now when it comes to so you you've learned so much, so so much about money over the past years. And you've grown to become really good at it. You know, you're now teaching people how to become good at it. And, um, you know, there, there, there's, there's so much, so much growth that you've had. Is there anything in particular that you wish you knew that you know now about money when you were younger? So much. If I had to wrap it into one thing is um, I really wish I knew more about how to make money work for me. And so, you know, we've, we've hit on investing a little bit, we've hit on businesses and, and, and all that a little bit, but something that I learned in one of the earliest real estate courses I took was switching from an investor mindset to a consumer mindset, because a lot of how we spend our money is with a consumer mindset, you know, basically spending and not considering what can come back to us, right? What we can see as a return. And so if we were to switch that, you know, if we were to look at how we how we use credit instead of using credit, how do we leverage credit to get something back from it? You know, so that might look like travel points that might look like leveraging it to start a business so that you make income to pay it off and to have another source. Right. So I wish I learned more about that, more about, you know, that that looks like investing so that, you know, stocks and whatnot wouldn't be so scary that, you know, risking losing money, but for a potential gain wouldn't feel so scary that's a way to make money work for you i'm learning a lot about business and real estate and those are ways to make money work for you but i mean just quite frankly we both went to college and i wish i would have known the term roi to talk Mm -hmm. to to talk about (laughs) what's the return on investment on all this money we're spending on college right so that's the biggest thing And, and you know once we shift our mindset to that or once i shifted my mindset from consumer to investor i'm still working on it every day and i'm still constantly wanting to learn new ways about how to make money work for me. So like you were saying earlier as well, not just exchanging my time for money 
but getting it to the point where if I am working, exchanging my time for money and then using my money that I earn to make more money so that eventually I can have like multiple sources of income, passive sources of income and really build a solid foundation to where eventually I don't have to work. I don't have to exchange time for money or at least in the way, not in the ways I don't want to. So I, I wish that was an earlier lesson that I learned um, and that, you know, along the way, you'll learn every other important financial concept if you're always approaching things as an investor. But I am grateful that I'm learning it now. You know, that's been one of the most important things. Yeah. Shoot. In comparison to a lot of people, you're super early. <laughs> you're super early in the game. Like we're, we're both super early in the game. And yeah, so, facts. yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we have a a long way to go to continue to make our money work for us. And I think for me, just understanding the opportunities for, you know, like you said, good returns on investments. Like the only way I knew about making money when I was a kid was just working a job. You know, I worked as a as a camp counselor and as like an aftercare person and when I was in high school and I think, you know, that was cool and then found out about engineering and I was like, oh okay, I can make pretty good money as an engineer. But but now I'm just learning so much more about where the money resides and i think that we (laughs) you know what i'm saying and i think that we only think the money resides in terms of exchange of time but the money can reside in like you were saying the stock portfolio uh it can reside in rental income it can reside in come um, on where the money resides you know, we like there's there's so many places where the money resides. And so yes, we just got to we just got to get there. We just got to get there. And there's multiple avenues to it. So that's that's something that I'm glad I know now. And just like you continually working to grow in that producer versus consumer mindset, investor mindset, you know, all that. But nah, we hey, we we, we going to make the DMV proud and we going we going to do some big things. So doing our thing, doing our thing. Yeah, so nah, it's 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 great. But Gabby, thank you so much for being here and just sharing your wisdom, sharing your insight. It's a pleasure. You know, it, it's 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 still funny just thinking like we've known each other for probably like I don't know, like twenty some years. Um, and <laughs> just 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 being here, being able to have this conversation, it's it's mm-hmm. it's just been a pleasure. So thank you very much. Do you have anything else that you would like to drop on the lovely people listening? Yes, I would. So once again, I am the founder, lead money coach and speaker at uh, Abundant Living Financial Wellness Services Incorporated. So you can find us at our website, weareabundantliving.com and everything is pretty much the same. If you want to email me, contact at weareabundantliving.com. Spell exactly how it sounds on Instagram and Facebook at weareabundantliving. And, you know, that's where I drop a lot of gems. And so, yeah, if people, if you want to contact me, the services we offer are like one-on-one consultations, group consultations, workshops, speaking engagement, business partnerships. So if you want, you know, some service for your business, I'm also, I've launched a certification program so that that'll have another cohort coming up soon. And eventually we'll have some events and like customized resources as well. So if you want to get in contact with me for any of those things, if you just have questions, if you just want to know more about my story and have conversation and really unlock or or transform yourself, I would love to talk about that. But I'll end just, you know, digging a little bit more into what it means to live abundantly, right? Or or approach 
your finances in your life abundantly. So the mission, if I didn't already share it, is to help people strive for abundance in all areas of life with financial literacy as their toolbox. And it's really important that we keep in mind that abundance means that there is more than enough. So when it comes to money, um, go, let's go ahead and shift our minds and our hearts to understand that we have already more than enough. And even if it seems like our resources or, or our income um, is not where we want it to be, if it seems like, you know, in some areas we might be lacking financially, you already have more than enough because it starts within you, right? It's not how much you have, it's how much you have within you. So as soon as you understand yourself to be worthy of the things that you envision for yourself, as soon as you see yourself as worthy of the things that you envision for your family and your future and your legacy, as soon as you see yourself worthy for the lifestyle you want to create, you are worthy. And it's just about taking that one step at a time, right? But as we're aiming for abundance, let's aim to transform ourselves and aim aim to really have abundance first internally in our minds and our hearts. And that will translate to our money. So that's what I have to say to the people. Amazing. Amazing. Dropping gems all day. Awesome. All day, all day, every day. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, Yavi. And again, all of y'all out there listening, thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on and share this episode with someone you think will benefit from it. I'll talk to y'all soon. Stay real, stay ready, and stay tuned.